0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five now. Shit, I had to think of that. I didn't actually mean to play music. They get in. I said I didn't have the soundboard, but I've just managed to play some music. I think that's what I had on Spotify before. That's brilliant. Um, everybody today on the podcast, I've got Sam Carrington, who... Well, it's an unprofessional sales podcast, and uh, we've got someone working in a highly regulated industry on. So it's a bit of a test for me and my ability to, to balance plates in this this podcast and, and watch what I say, right? But Sam, um, account director, from what I believe, I know you've changed roles recently, so I hope that that is up to date. And we've got Jordan Warshawski, who is a colleague of mine here at Durham Lane, one of um, our SDRs, one of our guys on the front line. I know you've just started working quite a a big and important A-account project for us here, Jordan. But um, no, I'll, I'll I'll just quickly pass over to you, lads, just, just take it in turns and just really quickly, you know, give us, give us 10, 20, 30-second overview of, you know, who you are. And I'll, I imagine you'll do it better justice than
1: I will. I feel like I'm speed dating. So, yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, so, as for me, uh, nail on the head, Sam Carrington have been mm-hmm. in sales for uh seven or eight years now um for the most part focusing on technology and solution selling with organizations and have had the pleasure of knowing jordan outside of work for a handful of years um and i've also watched his progression into sales and i'm sure we'll continue to watch that as the years roll by yeah
2: Yeah, and then, yeah, from me, I'm Jordan. Um, I'm a southerner up north in Newcastle. Uh, Obviously, as Russell said, I work with him at Durham Lane Uh, as an SDR. I'm fairly new to sales. I've been doing it for about seven months now. Um, And I've had the pleasure of Sam guiding me a little bit through my career. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we get into the questions. You'll you'll understand how my career has been shaped a little bit by what Sam's told me and guided me on. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I can confirm he is a proper southerner. I offered a free
0: Newcastle ticket for Saturday, and he turned it down. So you know, <laughs> pried me right off there. All right, so look, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to keep these to 20 minutes, and I go over time and time again. Right, God shite. So straight into the first question. Um, Jordan, you can go first on this one, Then we'll go a little bit one for one, as I mentioned before. But how you found yourself in sales? I guess how Sam helped you get into this position, and then you know. Did you uh, fall into it like the rest of us or was the caveat i like to add on to that question?
2: Yeah, so I think it probably goes back to pre-uni. When I was at home, I worked in recruitment before I went to university. Um, So I kind of got the feel. I know that recruitment and sales are fairly similar in some ways. And I got the feel of how it was to work in a business. Bearing in mind, this business I worked in was smaller than Durham Lane. It had about 10 to 15 employees. Um, And then we had an office in Amsterdam as well. Um, I, I always found it interesting, the dynamic of, you know, really selling because that is what you do in recruitment as well. Uh, and kind of knew it was something I'm good at. I know Sam will back this up, but I'm a very good speaker. Well, I just speak too much, pretty much yeah. is what it really is. Uh, and then I went to uni and did business, but I did business management and didn't really have an understanding of what I wanted to do in business. There was never really any clear route out of it for me. Um, yeah. I kind of just wanted the uni experience, but I also wanted to get a degree that would help me get somewhere in life. Um, and then when I finished that, Sam mentioned to me that he thought I might be fairly good at sales and that I should look for roles. Uh, I got approached by, um, Durham Lane, uh, for a potential SDR opportunity. Um, and then I just went full steam ahead with the interviews, obviously managed to get that job and I've been doing it for seven months now. Yeah. Um, guided by Sam pretty much for most of the career that I've had. Um, I know when he goes on to speak about it, we were fairly fit, similar starts. Um, so I'm kind of just repeating what he's doing. Um, yeah i mean i hope i can repeat footsteps. what he's yeah. well i hope i can follow in his footsteps um, oh, he's off. <laughs> yeah i'll pass on to him now but that's pretty yeah. much how i sort of got into sales um and i've started my career in it yeah good stuff no good stuff yeah sam and, and, and you as well
1: i think for me it goes way back further than when i first started to think about work and when you asked that question, my mind went to, what was I like as a 14-year-old? And some people will say a ringleader. Some people will say was always in trouble. But I would always say that I was very good at being able to look at a situation, understand who was involved in that, what the outcome was going to be, and try and find a way to be able to make it benefit me and my friends. An example of that was... For one reason or another, in year 10 or 11, I was trusted as a prefect at my secondary school, which meant that I got to leave the school grounds. And every day, I would go to the local supermarket, buy what I could, and then resell it at an unbelievable profit. After yeah. A 59p pack of donuts, you'd sell each donut for a pound. And it was with a, a, a quite a heated conversation with my old deputy head at that school, where he said to me that I was always selling dreams. and. Yeah was always in a position where the outcome that everybody was looking for was always kind of led and improved or provoked by something I was doing. And it got me thinking, maybe I want to be a salesperson, because at the time, I thought that was nights out, dinners, client meet and greets, and all the fun stuff that we obviously do get to do within the role. But I thought it was all that. So, I looked at where I was, I looked at the fact that I never really got along with education because for me the education system as a whole is quite out of date, it's 150 years old and whilst the curriculums have developed, the essence of the way in which people learn remains the same. So when my friends decided to go off to university, I decided not to and I thought I can go out there and I can get experience in different places. The issue I had when starting out really early was that nobody wants to hire an unreliable 18-year-old with no sales experience for most sales roles. So I made the choice very early on to diversify and go off into different parts of different sectors, doing a little bit in automotive, a little bit of retail. And then eventually, when I had a bit more sense behind me and, to be honest, more skills to bring forward to the industry, I ended up in recruitment and from recruitment went to tech and have never looked back since stumbling into tech in 2015.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I know um, you said you were listening to some of the podcasts earlier on, but if you heard the the episode too, um, I don't expect you to, but um, there's a really interesting thing that Jerry Hill said and he said like, who takes takes a chance on chances? It's recruitment a little bit. So, you know, it started a lot. Definitely here at Durham Lane, it started a lot of, Good careers in sales recruitment. You know, I could easily name, you know, two arms worth of, of people who I know quite well in the business who started off, maybe not to, not still at the business, but have started off in recruitment and have went on to do really good things. But you no, know, it's interesting. There's definitely a, I guess, motion that you go through in that recruitment role that makes you quite cut out for, you know, the intense 360 sales role as well when you have to go into that so it's very similar i think you get
2: thrown in at the deep end as well just to add to that i think you get thrown in the deep end when you go into recruitment um especially when you like you say fortunately for me i never went into 360 so i was simply just someone that was calling people up to see if they were looking for new jobs and sort of doing that sourcing part um which i guess is kind of relevant for what i do now in sales which was nice but i know that i think sam went into a 360 role um, okay. at one point, and I know that that's just like, like a lot of pressure goes on you straight away. Um, so it kind of gives you a real flavour of like, okay, yeah, I can do this, or this is something that I think I could get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's inter- yeah, interesting. So, what are you? So, this is quite a nice leeway then to this question, and and I would ask, what are your kind of go-to value builders? Stuff that you've kind of maybe picked up through the art of selling people, right, and selling other people's skill sets and their reliability. I think one of my biggest worries about being a recruitment officer or, you know, in that role, it would be that people would show up to meetings and, like, track through buttons or something like that. And, um, you know, I I would love to know now how you've used that, you know, the the resilience that you've got in that role, but brought it into you. You've worked quite a few different projects at your time at Durham Lane. Jordan, I, I, I don't know, maybe three to four projects. Sam, you've had some really, really good leadership roles here in the revenue sort of space, and I'd like to know what your go-to go-to value builders are for, for I guess what you guys take the market. I have taken the market, all right, with you know different contracts and in, in different different ways.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, it, it's a very good question. For me, I've got two answers to that. It, it, it really does depend on whether I'm trying to build value and integrity internally or externally. So from an internal standpoint, I'm one cog and always have been one cog in a machine with many arms with CSMs and very technically astute colleagues who do a lot of the technical lifting, SDRs who obviously are pivotal for generating business, Mm -hmm. marketing functions who kind of keep the wheel moving as well. There's always been so many people involved within that process that for me, you have to be able to to build integrity and respect with them very quickly in order to be able to achieve on the other side of things. And a lot of that um, process for me just comes from the fact that I try and understand the individuals that I'm working with. And it is as simple as that. You know, If I'm working with an SDR, chances are they have aspirations to either move into a closing role or move into a customer success role or something along those lines. And I think that understanding them and their motives allows you to be able to one help them if you can because I'm a big believer in paying it forward Um, but the other side of things as well is that you understand what's going to drive them and if you can understand what drives them the people around you you have an element of control over the way in which a future engagement with a customer can go and to the customer side of things for me it's always been very simple the hardest skill in the world is listening. Because even though we're here and we're listening now, our brain is thinking, what do I say next? That was a good point. That was a bad point. Should I take it here? Should I take it there? And I think that being able to have control and actually listen to what someone says, respond to the cues that they give you and uncover a problem that affects them or their organization, a pain that affects them personally, and then working with them to be able to make that part of the mission rather than just selling them a solution to fix something for the organization, understanding the person, their motives, what's driving them, I think is my go-to for trust building. And yeah. ultimately, everything I've described comes back down to trust. If my colleagues yeah. don't trust me, it affects our outcome. If my customer doesn't trust me, it affects our sales cycle. Yeah, it's a really
0: strong answer. A really strong answer. and. I wanna I would I've got a different order of the questions now based on what you've just said, right? And it's what is give what's helped to give you that mindset. Have you got any particular like a sales book or podcast or anything like that that you use to kind of get into that headspace, that active listening headspace? And um Jordan, you can caveat this question. I know I've suggested some things to you when you when you first came into the business, like problem prospecting by Richard Smith that book, but back to you guys, what have you taken in, right? What sources have you used to get that that mindset? Because I I'm still trying to find the right sales style for me, right? Is it the challenger sale? You know, there's so many of these different books Conflict and conflicting opinions. And I know you have to chop and you know, take things from other sources, make it into your own. So what what is your
2: guys? Uh, yeah, I think I'll jump in quickly on this one. Yeah. Um, as I'm fairly new, I feel like for me, I haven't explored so much. It's the full honesty. Yeah. I've not explored outside as much. Um, I do get sent stuff by Sam. I know I've had stuff from you as well, Russell, but it's yeah, not something it that it's not. a. Yeah, it's not a pool that I've jumped into yet. Obviously, um, internally, I've learned a lot. Like you said, um, you know, in agreeing with Sam's point before, active listening was one of the biggest things for me that I've I've learned, and it's not something I'm very good at. I'll be honest. I can always speak out of turn, and I have the yeah. I have the knack for doing that as well um and obviously you no, know the more not you, not, get, you <laughs> not you
1: jordan not
2: you yeah always uh always speaking out of turn. to put it into context me and sam played football with each other for years so he's definitely seen me speak out of turn a lot yeah. um in, off. In I've, in seen you, I've seen, I've off seen with you calls. miss
1: some sitters as well mate I've seen <laughs> yeah let's <laughs> listen we'll keep the podcast around coffee. sales
2: and we won't talk about yeah. football and ability because um sells, i haven't got any sells, of that sales not fails then yeah yeah, pretty much. But um, but the active listening side of things is something that I'm picking up. And I think something that I've learned from a couple of people in Durham Lane with you as well, Russell, um, just being genuine, just being who you are oh, um, is a massive crazy. thing. People buy people. Um, it's one of the biggest things that we speak about at Durham Lane is that people buy people yeah. um, and they're not going to buy into a product, especially with the, the world that we work in at Durham Lane. I know it might be a bit different for Sam, but the world we work in um with what we're trying to achieve there's no chance that you would bring in the, the amount of prospects you do if they didn't buy into you and what you're what you're like as a human being and that's yeah. something that sam's kind of sort of put into me i know i was that uni student for most of the last like four years um but all the time you know me and sam laugh and joke on the phone but you know he'll have a serious word with me and say listen you've got to be yeah. you um sort of that so I think for me that's one of the biggest things but yeah when it comes to external learning I wouldn't be the best person to speak about that I know Sam's got some stuff that he's probably looked at himself yeah so what should be first on on Jordan's radar? then that's you know genuine and
0: open you want to learn what would you suggest first then Sam and and what have you used personally I guess I may go hand in hand
1: I'll flip it if I can and I'll answer the second part first so for me personally, one of one of the things and this, this gets me in a lot of trouble this, this answer because I've been asked similar questions <laughs> in the past before but the person I am now at 29 with the job I'm doing, the people I work with, I'm not going to be that person at yeah. 39 and I damn sure wasn't this person at 19. So the way in which I look at it is diversification. The more I can consume whether it's A med pick, whether it's customer centric selling, whether it's relationship based selling, whether it's the challenger sale, the more I can consume now, the more I can understand about it, but not necessarily master. The better position I'm in when I change as a person, as a salesperson, as an employee, potentially maybe one day as more of a, a within a leadership role. And I think that my goal is to have a broader understanding of of everything so that at the point in my career where it's right and the point in my life where it's right as I continue to change, um, I have the right skills to be able to fall back on and the right solution rather than trying to pigeonhole potentially something of a framework that may not work with the individual, the business, or the solution that I'm working with at the time. So the way in which I try and listen and create, I guess, almost that stillness within my mind comes completely from outside of anything I do Mm work-wise. And it it comes from from actually meditation and being able to sit down, relax, close my mind off completely, um, and be in a position where I'm not thinking, I'm not doing, my mind isn't racing at a million miles an hour, it's actually just still. And I try and apply that to conversations I have with my girlfriend when I'm in trouble, (laughs) <laughs> Conversations I have with prospects when, again, I could equally be in trouble. But when I'm talking to people, I try and ensure that I'm there in that moment with them and hearing what they say rather than trying to preempt what they say next, what they um, may say after that. And that is the biggest piece of advice I could give anyone learn how to just be within that moment and be rather than do. Um, and I think that that is a very, very hard skill to master. And it's alluded towards within all of the sales methodologies that we, we talk yeah, to and try and learn. If you, if you can get that piece down, I think the rest of it comes naturally. Because once you understand what someone's saying, you might be able to pick on the right piece of information that you've learned, the right framework, the right sales technique, to be able to present the solution, the fix, or whatever it is that you're trying to present to this person in a way that will resonate with them, that shows that you've understood that actually makes them central to the process rather than just a cog for sign off or doing something along those lines. Uh Um, And the first part of your question for Jordan, Uh I think that he's in a great position in a great company. Um, And I say that obviously knowing enough about what you guys do, having uh, had conversations with your business and business, had conversations personally with Jordan, that he just needs to be able to, to be in a position where he takes it all in and that way, he can plagiarize and steal and take and learn from anything he wants and make it his further down the line. And the stuff he
2: doesn't like, he doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to be part of his brand. Mm-hmm. How would yeah. you, just as a question, Russell? How would you answer that? What would be, what would be your answer in that sense? I know I'm yeah. not in charge of the podcast here. No, but, no, you know, well, no, it's fine. Don't worry. I definitely. It it,
0: that's it's it's a good talking point. Um and, and sometimes I do give examples as well. And I, I started giving all of the same examples every time. I think given the situation and the scenario that we're in, I would say my best bit of advice, something for you to take on board, listening to what you've said, right? Because I know you've got the the tenacity and that framework down and, you know, you've got a good SDR playbook coming along, right? I know that you're hitting targets and stuff like that, right? So you're doing okay. So I would say go out there and and listen or read. I would listen personally to um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by, I think it's Dale Carnegie, which is kind of a, It's, I think, from the 30s, actually, or something like that. But this guy was a bit of a personal mentor to Henry Ford. Helped him, I guess, understand how to make the assembly line possible in a sense, right? Or at least, you know, use people and manage people and use people. That sounds a bit bad, right? But use people to your advantage, their skill sets to your advantage in a positive way, right? And, And build an operation, like the assembly line and spit out a million and one Fords, right and it's um little things that this book talks about like getting someone's name right for example my wedding planner's assistant cannot seem to spell my name without putting the extra l and uh, sorry every time forgets to put the extra l into my name and it's those little things that you pick up on after listening to that book or reading that book um that I think you would benefit from. Everyone would benefit from, actually, if they haven't read that book, it's interesting. Little things like getting someone's name right, remembering um, good good story from the book is that um I can't remember which businessman that he was talking about, but essentially, this postman would come every day to his office, drop off his mail, you know, from other big companies, you know, personal letters from other bosses, et cetera. And he remembered that his son had a certain uh stamp that he could never find a certain stamp that he had a stamp collection he was never able to come across this one this guy had all the money in the world and he couldn't find this one particular stamp so essentially this postman out on his rounds doing whatever remembered that's shit that's the stamp that 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 they that he needs that his son needs brought the stamp to him and then i think he made him his second in command his right hand man within like a day do you know what i mean just simply by remembering something small like that so it's a bit of a, a long i wouldn't say cheesy because it is genuine but it's a really good bit of bit of sales content that you should take in right and intake from um and going from content to tools right and this is the last question we'll round off on this one it's one of my favorite ones i'm a bit of a sales techie what have you used jordan at durham lane that you really like and, and sam's starting with you what type of tools do you you use in your day-to-day right that just help you get that that cutting edge
1: so it does vary it depends yeah. on, on on what task i'm i'm trying to achieve if it's mass outreach um in the past i've used you know kind of uh mailing systems that allow you to be able to send out multiple messages if yeah. it's Tracking. We've got some some cool tools where I work now that just allow you to know when your email's been read, when it's when it's been forwarded on. My go to throughout everything because for me it sits in the two key areas: research and then obviously delivery has always been LinkedIn sales. nav. Um, yeah, and I think that there's there's a reason why you know Microsoft were so keen to bring LinkedIn within their platform, and it's just rich within so much data. It's got so much information within it about people, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. that for a salesperson, it should be their absolute number one all the time because it's an area where, for the most part, a lot of people get to talk very openly about what they're either looking to achieve or have achieved. And if you're reaching out to someone for the first time and you're talking solely about a product that you're trying to sell versus an achievement that they have um Done and how that could link back to something that you're also trying to do, or so try, something that you're trying to introduce. You're in a great position to be able to get an answer. Yeah. So, when it comes to research and then delivery, LinkedIn all the way. Could you think of any of, of any examples where you've done that?
0: Maybe coming in coming into the new role that you're in now, where you know you've had to you've had to think. properly, you know, how am I doing? How am I going to write a really personalised, really relevant email? With this new new hat on, right? With this new solution behind me.
2: Yeah, um,
1: and it's it. I would say that it's it's actually harder where I am now for yeah. many reasons than it has been in the past. But you know, uh, probably a past example is it is a better one. You'll find that people tend to be a lot more relaxed when it comes to a social platform um, versus you know a, a kind of email chain that's formal business to business. And I've seen a thousand and one great things in people's LinkedIn profiles, whether it's that they um, support the same football club, potentially, whether it's that they do the same kind of events. One guy that I was reaching out to a few years ago um, with no luck via cold calls and sending emails. I I honestly think it was about the 60th attempt (laughs) to try and get something from this person who someone else in their business had said, they're the person you need to yeah. speak to. So I, I put my blinkers on and was like, right, I'm going to talk to them. They um, they had on their LinkedIn that they are um, an accredited football coach. And my email, or, or I think it was an email at the time, was all about the football stuff. And I said, hi, Sam, you, you may remember me from your inbox. We've not been able to speak yet, but when I saw your LinkedIn and I finally found you because there was some discrepancy between their full name and what was on LinkedIn, similar to me, I'm Sam Carrington Kennedy, but I'm known as Sam Carrington. Um, I had a conversation with them about coaching and what comes next on their next coach, uh, their coaching course, how I've applied lessons I've learned from football coaching over the years to people management and time management and all the other stuff as well. And we got talking, um, I qualified out shortly after, but I managed to have the conversation. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, and she eventually you know. get through to them. And I never would have done that if I'd have just kept calling them, kept sending them messages, and had given up. It was the yeah. fact that I kept digging away, actually found them on LinkedIn, found the interesting piece of information, had the chat with them. That as the salesperson, I knew where I stand. And that I think is is such an underappreciated thing within our industry because so often you don't know where you stand with either a new prospect or an existing customer because we're only privy to so much yeah. so um that's an example albeit an unsuccessful one from a revenue point of view right. but from yeah. reallocating where i go and what i do and who i go after next it gave me all the ammunition needed to talk to them and that's all i wanted the conversation
0: yeah it's about getting completion you know just as much as getting the deal and getting the the recognition and the commission and everything that comes with it in this role you know but um sometimes knowing to look elsewhere is useful for that jordan what about you you know i i know kind of what tools you you use i think and and i've got a good idea of the manner which i would be choosing what helps
2: you yeah so i think really um LinkedIn's an interesting one because it is a tool that we use. Um, And if I'm being really, really honest, it's not a tool that I utilize enough. Yeah. Um, I I know that that it's dependent project to project within our business on how useful LinkedIn can be. Um, But I think there's a use for LinkedIn for everything. Um, I think the way that we use LinkedIn as well within Durham Lane is really, really good. And the way that we're taught, just it's all about soft touch points. And like Sam says, having that conversation with someone And not really speaking to them about what you want to speak to them about straight away. Um, It's like going back to the point I made at the start people by people, and having a genuine conversation with someone is going to give you more of an ability to get them on the phone than anything else. And I think coming down to tools with LinkedIn, I know it's one that you big up quite a lot, and I learn it from you straight away. Um, And I'm probably going to get absolutely hammered by you now for pronouncing this wrong. I think I'm going to get it right, but Lusha. You've done it? it, Yes, that's how Jordy would pronounce it. A lot of people say Lusha. Oh, and I've dropped oh. my camera, we're all out of it, all out of business. <laughs> on this. It's all going wrong. I got right. too excited, but yeah. Um, the way that that tool helps out with us in our business is great. Um, it gives you extra information on how to get into contact with someone. Um, it can kind of put you on the right lines of um, the best way to get into contact with them as yeah. well. Um, but then I think just as another tool, um, in my head with what we do is our CRM kind of means everything to us um where we are at Durham Lane as well, specifically in my role. Um, yeah. It's fairly important the way that the CRM's used. I know that that's probably a big thing for most businesses as well. Um, but the CRM that we use, VanillaSoft, is really, really good. Yeah. Um, it comes with a lot of useful information and there's a lot of ability for our clients to um Get put control. information in there for yes. us. Specifically for my project, I've got a lot of information um on there that's useful to me when i'm on the phone for example what i'm doing on my project is i know when people left the business that i'm working for currently and so i know when they when they left so i understand how long they're in their contract for with their next business i have them sort of details and i think um the other side of things is the reporting ability that it gives you as well is that we're able to show all of our clients at Durham lane exactly what we're doing on a week-on-week basis um and i guess as well from a personal point of view it it can help improve performance if that makes sense yeah because i'm able to see what i'm doing yeah yeah. and also i can see what other people in my project are doing as well Yeah, so it creates that sort of friendly competition pretty much who makes the most (laughs) styles i know that's not drummed into us it's more about quality over quantity but um and consistency is one of the biggest things um but i'm sure we could speak about that for another hour yeah Um, definitely but yeah In that sense, um, it kind of keeps you good. It creates friendly competition. I know there's someone that's on the project with me at the moment, um, and they're one opportunity ahead of me at the end of the month. They're actually going to beat me for this month, fair and square, so props to that person. Um, But because we could see each other's data, we had a bit of a competition, so I now owe that person a £15 Just Eat voucher because they've beaten me this month. But it's that sort of like being able to see that data creates that competition. And I know in our offices as well, we have all the data for all the teams, and there's a bit of banter between the management teams about which team's going to do the best. And then it comes into it with new business where you are, and you want to beat us guys on your objectives. Um, so I think you know data is one of the biggest tools as well. Yeah, in that sense, definitely. I think there's I think, um, um, you need to cover that oh. that 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 just each culture.
1: But... <laughs> Hey, he, 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 he owes me one as well for losing i <laughs> taught him about losing yeah. there's um russ there's just one one more thing i want to throw in to to my answer yeah, as sure. well because the enthusiasm jordan has there when he talks about the tools you know is is there for everybody to see there are there are so many sales tools out there that people can use whether it's to automate whether it's to extract intelligence or information or whether it's you know actually to, to go about doing the delivery or creation of what your day-to-day tasks look like with a, with a CRM. But I think that the term tool you, you, you've used has opened it up for me to be able to probably say something relatively cheesy, but I don't care. Um, the biggest tool you have when it comes to anything sales, whether it's on the creation piece of who you're going to talk to, that plan, that territory plan, or whether it's on the execution side of things of getting them, getting them into a sales cycle, is and will always be whatever creativity you can bring to that yeah. and the way in which you go about it. And one of the things that really, it kills me to see within so many different sales organizations, ones where uh, potentially I've worked, my friends work, you hear the same old stories around this robotic way of going about things. And the story I told a few minutes ago was a great example of it, yeah. You know, 60 attempts to be able to catch someone. It's very robotic. And I think that one of the biggest problems within this industry as a whole is that the way in which people tend to get into it is very similar. Um, potentially graduate and/or qualified by experience, start as an SDR, taught that potentially volume is the best way to be able to go about things, micromanaged at the start of their career for the most part—not in all places, but for the most part. And I think that behaviour breeds behaviour, and you can end up with some really lingering bad habits, which. I think goes right back to what I said at the beginning in regards to the education system. You know, the the sales system hasn't really changed too much in the last 30 years, but the curriculum and all the activity that we put out and the way in which we put out that activity has changed massively. And I think that if you just follow suit and do what everybody else is doing, I don't know your competition as an organization but my guess would be that there's at least 10 organizations out there trying to do what you're doing if you're doing the same thing yeah and if you're all doing the same thing and i'm the prospect i would be so bored within five minutes of what i was getting and how it was coming to me so i think being creative is something it's a lesson that i actually learned within recruitment but i try and bring it to what i do now whether it is um trying to catch them in a different way, whether it's sending them something when they're in a sales cycle, something to be able to, you know, kind of keep them front, keep us front of mind. And just finding a new way to be able to deliver the same message is huge. And if you can do that with the help of tools that help you automate it, scrape off all the information that you need and just be different, you're in a great position to be able to stand out. And if you can stand out, you might be heard. And if you're heard, you might get a prospect into a sales cycle.
0: Yeah, definitely. And in you know, practical practical thinking off the back of that, you know, Jordan, something you should, you know, go and look at straight away is sales nav, Watford fans, spark up a conversation and just do exactly what, what Sam's been talking about there, are little things like that. You know, the theme of this is you know, people buy from people, it feels like, and you know, it's hard sort of disagree with that. Loads of examples Sam would have. Sport seems to be quite a common one. Sport seems to be quite a, a good way to personalize i've used examples in hockey i've used examples in basketball and i think it's mastering the repeatable do you know what i mean like you, you say you know 60 touch points took your 60 touch points with that individual and master the way through their their gates so really really Yeah, fascinated. i would agree as well yeah
2: I think it's somewhere as well. Um, I, I don't specifically know about Sam and the business that he's in, but especially at Darmain, I know you'll agree, Russell. It's something that was kind of drummed into us straight away. is all about creative thinking. Uh, like the best example I can think of, there's a colleague that works with me and Russell who has a food Instagram page. And with a, with a prospect, he shared his food Instagram page because he found that the prospect had his own food Instagram page as well. Okay. Started the conversation and managed to secure an opportunity from it and sent some really class emails as well. Um, where I say that you go in with that soft touch point of like, let's talk yeah. about something different and then we get into the what I actually want to speak to you about. Yeah, and Jordan, then my are last, you, last last
1: sorry, go on. Are you gonna plug the food Instagram page?
2: Like, yeah, you've got I'm a thousands really bad human listening. being, right? And I don't actually follow it and I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but uh, the colleague of mine's called Gurav, you'll find him on you'll find him on LinkedIn. Um I'm sure yeah. Russell can find out and plug I'll, his uh, Instagram at the bottom. I'll,
0: I'll plug it in the next episode. I'll plug it in the next episode. But um, <laughs> no, look, look, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up there. And look, it's real. It's been a real pleasure. It's nice to have, you know, two friends on the other end. It's, it's a real, real healthy sort of atmosphere, and it, it's just good crack all round. So friends um, is a really
2: big word there, by the way. Yeah, really big word for friends. <laughs> mutual, <laughs> friends. mutual connections. Two mutual. It turns off at my house on a Sunday and demands that he gets a sausage roll from, <laughs> from Simmons every week. So that was pretty yeah. much what it was for years brilliant brilliant well look lads happy hunting it's been an absolute pleasure
0: sam i look forward to catching up with you in the near future when you you know you're settled in and jordan i know i know you've got some aspirations here at durham lane in a, you know a similar role so let's let's talk about that next week all right but good stuff guys and um yeah have a lovely weekend thank you thank you so much for your time sam thanks jordan it's been a pleasure Cheers for having us
1: thanks for having us on mate mm-hmm. and uh speak to you soon